Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, the Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 18 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. This is Todd Widener. It's a happy Monday morning quarterback edition again. Uh, this time, much more positive, hopefully, than last time. Although I will say, Todd, that we were very, very good on not cussing last time, considering really? the Packers got blown. I mean, considering the Packers got blown out, yes. I mean, it could have been really? a 20, 30 cuss word episode. Well, what, what was the count? I want to say it was 15. I, I screwed it up when I put it on the website. Oh. It was, yeah, it was 15 like 15 total. 15 total. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's kind of weak for a loss. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, Leukemia Society. We'll do better. Yeah. We should um, be, we should, you know, for a loss, we should average well above 20. We'll get better at it. Yeah, we'll get better at that. <laughs> or worse. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever your perspective is on that. Thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs, DDG, DDGCustoms.com. Appreciate the work you've done for us. And thanks to Andy at ThirdEyeGraphics.net. Welcome to our almost 400 followers on Twitter. We will not beg for Twitter followers like other people do. I know I said that before. and We will not. Right now we are at 393 followers. We have an average cheese Facebook page, which I really don't understand. I'm still working on it. Don't we have a new listener, too? We do have a bunch of new listeners, actually. Yeah. So we have a new listener in Alaska. Yeah. That, that and was... a new uh, one in D.C., which hopefully is, is related to you moving to the East Coast. You can now populate our well, average cheese listener. Oh, yeah, it's D- it was you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> also, shout out to our listener in Columbus, Ohio, that is rolling. He's, he's riding with us, or she, maybe. If yeah. you are listening to us right now and you are in Columbus, Ohio... Send us an email at averagecheese at gmail.com. So avgcheese at gmail.com, and I'll send you some uh, average cheese swag because you are definitely riding with us, Columbus, Ohio. Like you have listened to every episode. Really? And we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's go. Yeah, let's get it going. Week seven. This is like the midway point, right, of the season? I guess next week would be Green Bay 35, Houston 20. What was our? I, I forgot our prediction scores actually from last week. I don't we, you said I it was going to be like forty-two thirty-four. So. Peter said thirty-three twenty-seven. So he was closer. Yeah, he was probably much closer. And I don't know why I don't remember my own prediction. <laughs> I don't even remember my own. I remember you saying you have a high score. That I remember. It all that. comes back to being very average. So and, right, but, very average yeah. predictions. Yeah, good win. Good to get back on track after a loss. So, but we'll p- kind of pick it apart and see where you know some things were really good and some other things were not so good. So, right. Let's start with the highlights. Go ahead. Yeah. It was the it was the Devonte Adams show. I mean, and and that's the biggest highlight of the whole game. It was you know Aaron Rodgers finding Adams and they just couldn't stop it. And it's like they found the leak and why stop something that they can't they they couldn't stop it. Period. So they just kept going back to it and back to it and back to it until they could stop it. And then they, ne- they never did throughout the whole game. It was probably one of his – wasn't he approaching the 
the single game reception record again, isn't it 15? It's, it's 15. No, it's tied. He's tied for the lead with, with 14. Okay. Yeah. yeah he tied the, all, the Packers all time record. Mm-hmm. He was approaching it again in this game, 13 receptions, 196 yards and two touchdowns. So he's a he, badass. He, Absolutely. Yeah. He is a great player. And one, one thing I would say, too, is with those 13 receptions, I don't think we have this listed, but, you know, Rodgers was kind of like, it, you texted that to me during the game, and Rodgers was off in this game. A lot of those balls weren't placed where they should, should have been. So a, lot, a, a bunch of those 13 receptions, you could see the adjustments he made. I think that one where he, uh, he almost kind of turned, I think it was the second touchdown, where he turned and then he made, a, a, he made the defender, he made like a cut. And it, that was just an amazing catch. But a lot of those were him making adjustments to the ball and still getting it done. I didn't think Rodgers, even though he had a great game, we'll talk about it in a second, yeah. he wasn't as accurate as he normally is. He just right. wasn't. He, the, the ball he threw to Adams, a couple of balls he threw to Adams. Yeah, a couple of them. What was uh, – when I texted you, I think it was – was it Tanyan down the – who? no, Sternberger? Yeah, it was – no, it was Tanyan. And if he Tanyan. hits Tanyan in stride, Tanyan yeah. is still running gone. now. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, it was. Kerber only had that one catch. But yeah, that, that one with Tanyan was, again, Aaron Rodgers' bad games are other people's highlights. Right. So it's hard to really get, get on him. But To continue on with Devontae Adams, I, uh, Ryan Wood, so I retweeted him on our Twitter, um, our Twitter page. Devontae Adams on third down. Third and one, eight-yard catch. Third and three, three-yard touchdown. Third and nine, 28-yard catch. Third and 10, 16-yard catch. Third and five, nine-yard catch. Third and four, 45-yard TD catch. Third and seven, 15-yard catch. That Why is, wouldn't you just triple-team Devontae Adams on third I mean, down after he's just smoked you the entire game? That's an unbelievable stat. Yeah, right that's what, seven? Seven third down conversions, conversions on his own. And I thought at one time, I bet the Packers didn't have more than eight or nine third down conversions in the entire game. They basically, Devontae Adams put the team on his back on third down. He did. He did. Yeah. I get people that text me, you know, Packers stuff. And since we started our podcast, we're clear, I'm clearly not an expert on anything, but I do have opinions. So they do ask me my opinion. We talked about this also on the episode, but why do they throw to Devontae Adams on, all the time? Why does Rodgers force the ball? Because he's the fucking best player. Yeah. Out there to catch footballs. Like, why else would he throw it to him all the time? Tanyan is dinged up. MVS blows ass. Lazard is hurt. Lazard is hurt. Equinemius St. Brown is also shit. I mean, it's like, what do you, what do you, what do you think he's going to do? Yeah. Aaron Jones didn't play. Yeah. Where else are you going to throw the football? Well, he didn't really throw it to anyone else. Other than, <laughs> I think it was Jamal Williams had like four grabs, and nobody else had more than two. So Right. Devontae Adams, 13 catches for 196 yards, two touchdowns. Jamal Adams, four catches for 37 yards. The next one is Tanyan with two. He had two catches for 32 yards, and one of them was that 31-yard pass. Yeah. So he yeah, caught another catch yeah. for one yard. One yard. LaFleur's drawing those plays up, and, I mean, obviously they weren't able to stop him, so why shift from it, right? Exactly. <laughs> Put the ball into your, your players' hands until they can figure out a way to stop it, and they never did. Why would you stop what's working? Yeah, one of his better games. Jamal Williams came up with 114 total yards, you know, in you know replacing Aaron Jones, along with, a, uh, I think that was a late touchdown that he earned pretty much on his own. Those are some 114 tough yards he earned 
and you know coming from the uh i think what houston was like the worst ranked run defense but they they showed up he had some tough runs in there i mean i thought he played a really good game he's able to hang out to the football had four grabs really kind of solidified things for them along with the you know having Devonte having a career day from a 32nd rank run defense i didn't think they were all that bad I mean, yeah, Jamal Williams had to earn his yards for sure. It wasn't like there were open holes all over the place. Now, granted, the Packers without Bakhtiari and Turner's at left tackle and Wagner's at right tackle, and it's not, you know, they've been playing musical chairs with their line. But still, that's not the worst run defense in the league. It can't be. No. Jamal Williams is great. Jamal Williams also needs to buckle his fucking chin strap. Like, how many times <laughs> did his helmet fall off in that thing game? It was ridiculous. Get, get a mouth guard while you're at it if that's how you're going to wear it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think he had a mouth guard in. No. That one play, no, on the he, first he play, that's what I said. I'm like, does he have a mouth guard? Unless it got blasted Blown out up. of his <laughs> <laughs> out of his mouth Could i don't be. think so i i didn't see a mouth guard on him the rest of the game so maybe it's attached to his helmet or something like i don't know i don't no, think it, it was though no he doesn't play with one wow yeah. that's scary you know bite his tongue off or something playing he's got the gold fronts or something so he's good isn't he? <laughs> and that's a soft metal so <laughs> yeah he's good just swap those out if you need to jamal williams played well in this game he did he, he was solid he's always solid and I've said it before in our previous podcast, man. I mean, he's he's a very underrated player that really adds to this offense that you can always uh, depend on. And is he like his own personal Disney World? Like he is the <laughs> happiest dude I on know. the earth. He's dancing before games out there on the practice field. Yeah, I, yeah. He's on the, a different plane, man. Or he's, he's high a, as a kite, man. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> right. I love that about Jamal Williams. And on a serious note, though, I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I'm going to bring it up again. I'm sorry. I go back and forth with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, how they're going to get paid, who's going to get paid, salary cap going down. You know, you see like Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's got a groin issue. He's not playing. Ezekiel Elliott is making whatever, $15 million a year, and the Cowboys are awful. They suck. He's Christian just McCaffrey. like uh, you were talking about Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. <laughs> I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is on the same path. Yeah. Like right now. Right now he is. I mean, Christian McCaffrey has missed, what, four or five games at $16 yeah. million a year. Yep. Is it an economically feasible to pay a running back that much? I, I don't know. I love Aaron Jones. And I, the, I love the player and the man. Like he is a yeah. great dude. He is a Packer you want to have for an entire career, right? Yeah. I really do. But I also know that Aaron Jones is going to make $12 million plus. We, we know this yeah. for sure. Someone is going to give him that. I don't know if it's worth it or not. Mm. I just don't. Jamal Williams is a starter, you know, on a different team. Yes. He's, he's a starter in the NFL, period. Agreed. Is he the starter in Green Bay next year? I, I wonder. That's, that's my whole point. Is he a more economical version of Aaron Jones? He's got the receiving skills. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough, you could go around and we could do a whole episode on that almost. It's just a tough uh, situation. Right. He's a hard-nosed motherfucker, man. Like, he, yeah. he puts his hat on people. I'm going to yeah. light up this first. It's, it's funny because he goes from that, like, you know, like you said, <laughs> he's just kind of off in his own world, dancing around in the pregame, you know, having a blast. He's just like on cloud nine. And then he gets into the game and he's just a fierce motherfucker. I mean, he is. 
he likes contact. Um, he's and he gets he gets you know he comes into those tough parts of the game too. There where it's it's not easy, man. You know the 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 game is kind of slowed down or whatever. The defenses are just like firing on all cylinders, and he, he's got to earn all that stuff. He doesn't get the prime time carries. He gets the no. tough ones. He also doesn't get garbage time carries. We can pad stats either. Right. Rogers with a quarterback rating of 132.4 and four touchdowns. I mean, we talked about, yeah, we kind of picked it apart that he was kind of off with his accuracy, but all in all, no interceptions, and he's just like right back to form. I really like Ben Fennel. I'd like to have him on our show sometime. He analyzes Packer games and, and oh. the, the all 22, you know, every week for the athletic. And he was saying that, you know, they should really study this because this was a game where Aaron Rodgers was getting the ball out of his hands. He wasn't holding on to it. He was doing the things that he needed to do. And I agree with all that, but I will contend that he wasn't accurate in this game. He wasn't as accurate as he usually is. He was lofting balls. You know how when you're, I don't know, shooting free throws or doing whatever, or when you're trying to throw strikes and you can't, and you're kind of like aiming the ball? That's what I felt like he was doing. I felt like he was aiming the ball rather than throwing it. On, on the Tanyan play, for sure, but on yeah. other plays as well to Adams, I felt like he was aiming it, not throwing it. But he still, with all of that said, 132 quarterback rating, four touchdowns, no picks. And having said that, too, is, I mean, he, he did drop some dimes, too. There was one, that one pass to Devontae down the left sideline. Oh. That was, I mean – that was literally within millimeters of – that couldn't have been placed any better. And then there was another one. I, I can't remember who he threw it to. It might have been Devontae again, but they, they were like within the – I think they were on the 10, and there was a crossing pattern that he flicked. It, it was just the weirdest arm motion. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it like went underneath J.J. Watt's armpit or something. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it got through there, but just like the angle and like – and he just like flicked his wrist. That was just – and there's not many quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. Two, I would say. But yeah, another efficient uh, performance. I read somewhere that Adam said, maybe, I don't know where, I'm sure it was on Twitter. That's where I get all my information. The ball he threw, the one you just referred to on the sideline, he never saw it until it landed in his hands. Oh, really? That's how perfect that throw was. Like, Adams didn't even know the ball was there. It landed in his hands. Yeah, that was, that was mind-blowing, that one. We're so spoiled with Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And, and this year, he has been awesome. And after um, Russell Wilson shit all over himself last night in that game, yeah. he's probably the front runner for MVP again. Yeah, he threw three, pick, threw three picks in that game. Yeah, and they were bad picks. Yeah. Like the one that uh, – D- yeah. you know, have you seen the DK Metcalf chasing that dude I down did. from behind? I saw, that. I saw it this morning. That was, an, that was a ridiculously yeah. bad pass by Wilson. Like, yeah, he lofted it. The guy was right there. Yeah. He threw three bad picks in this game, and he lost that game. I don't want to say, you know, it's a team game for sure, but Wilson really did his part to lose that game last night. Yeah. Yep. Moving on. Uh, I guess the only injury uh, for our injury update that I saw, I, I didn't see anything coming out this morning, but the one I did, we, you know, we did see from the game was Barnes going down, which was, I don't know, he, he landed really weird. It was almost like he twisted something. I'm wondering what, what the injury was, but it didn't look like it was you know, on his lower half, but I wonder if he like just strained his lower back or something. He, he like got really twisted around. They showed the replay of it, I remember. But was that in the second quarter? Like I late think in the so. Second? It was like <clears throat> late in the second or something like that. 
and he didn't come back. But, I mean, up until then, the guy was just blowing up the field. Man, was he all over the place. We'll get into that uh, during the defensive review. But hopefully that is not going to be a long-term injury because this guy has really come out of nowhere and has really provided a much-needed boost to the defense, especially with Kirksey being out. So Gary didn't play 100% of the snaps in this game. I don't know how 100% he is, but yeah. There were no other injuries from this game that I saw. So it's nice to get out of a game. Right. You know, not something like a Bakhtiari injury from last week, which we haven't heard really much on. Well, we're going to talk about this later probably, right? How good Barnes was. So I'll leave that alone for now. Yeah, we'll we'll cover him in the defense. Yeah, so no other notable injuries, which is great. Let's keep going. Uh, Let's get into the offensive review. There's always like a lot to talk about here. Last week, not so so much on the good part. But uh, this, this week, I think the first and foremost thing that I saw anyway was the offensive line didn't give up a sack I don't know how many weeks they've they've done that but um, you know this week with JJ Watt and Bakhtiari out I thought you know they're gonna have their hands full segue that into Wagner really held his own against Watt and I really didn't even realize this until the announcers brought it up I don't know why it didn't dawn on me but they're like yeah these two know each other they were teammates at Wisconsin I was like oh no shit they were oh yeah I didn't Uh, hear that but yeah they were So they know each other real well. I mean, they played it at the same time with each other. So they, you know, they, they know each other's, um, you know, I'm sure they've lined up against each other quite a bit in practice. Sure, in practice all the time. Yeah. I thought that Turner and uh, Wagner did a great job in this game. I mean, Turner moves out to left tackle. He played right guard, right tackle, and now he's at left tackle. And they didn't yeah. mention his name not one time. He yeah. didn't have a holding call. He, I mean, well – he, they did have some pressures against him, but still, he played really well out there. And I know I bagged on Billy Turner, and I thought he was going to get cut because of his $8 million salary, but he was really good. And yeah. Wagner was really good, too. I don't know what episode we covered this in, but I think I was saying, I wonder if it makes sense to put Turner out where he has more space to move instead of being so in close. Where he, yeah, you did. He's less mobile. And it maybe this is... I don't know, the future of Billy Turner being more being a tackle. Yeah, and I question that because wh- why would you be better with no help? But, right, maybe sure. he's just an athletic dude, and in space he's better off. I, I don't know. So then, they, I mean, we'll talk about – we have a million things to talk about money-wise, like cap-wise at some point in the, at the end of the season. But, yeah, there will be something to talk about there. They played great because Watt yeah. doesn't just stay on one side. So he was – again he lined up – in front of both Wagner and Turner during yeah. this game. No sacks. No I mean, sacks. J- no, no J.J. Watt sack. Right. I mean, nothing. Not that game-changer sack that ch- yeah. you know, where he strips the ball or something. He did have a decent game, Watt, but he didn't blow up the game. No. I mean, offensive line really was the – I mean, for me, the number one thing – I mean, aside from, you know, Devante, obviously. Were they great blowing up holes for, for the running game? Maybe not. 77 yards isn't bad, but all in all, I mean, they protected Rodgers and he was able to pick apart the defense like, and was unstoppable. So I really I feel, I felt like those two things were really great. And the next one I, I, would, I had listed was um, I really felt like LaFleur had another gem of a game plan. You could see there was a chess match going on uh, between the coaches from sideline to sideline, and LaFleur just had so many tricks up his sleeve that he was pulling out, but he, he really balanced the attack. I don't know what it came out to, but it always seems to be very balanced with the rushes and uh, receiving, but it was somewhere around 25 and 25. That usually seems to be the game plan. 25 rushes with 25 uh, th- uh, receptions. Um, right. I Rogers think it was somewhere had 34, 34 attempts in this game. 
Okay. So and it's close. Rushes wise, it was probably around twenty five, but yeah, twenty five if you don't include the two that Tim Boyle like kneeled down. Right, took kneel. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought his his game plan was was on point as it always is, and he looks very methodical over there, where he's just got his very small card and his his sharpie out man, and he's managing that game around. And even when he called that, I, I think you were texting me about the timeout. It was right before half, I think it was where the clock was kind of running down. But, like, I really felt like he was managing that and waiting for that time to come down before – he ran down the sideline to, to call that time out, but he was on it. Like, he was managing the plays, managing the clock. He was – you know, he's just in full control. I was looking at the clock. I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they wasting time? But that was purposeful. Oh, yeah. But they were wasting the seven seconds or whatever so that – they wouldn't get the ball back. So Houston right. wouldn't get the ball back with any kind of time left on the clock. That was they, really yeah. smart. Yeah, it was. And they just I think they ran Houston ended up running one rushing play. I don't know. They ran one play, then they took it and then they just let the clock run out for half. Right. Right. Because they didn't have enough which time. Like, which which was part of LaFleur's plan, right? Yeah. So that was brilliant, man. I mean, yeah. It's, Really smart. That's like reason six million eight that I'm not an NFL coach, because I would never have thought about that. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Call a timeout. No, yeah, but when I, I, when I saw him running down the sideline, I was like, he's got it. Yeah, that was awesome. There's a purpose to this. So. He did have a great game plan. I, I thought it was interesting. So I, I don't know what he's – there are times I think he is setting up – like he's playing chess. Do you oh, know what yeah. I mean? He's setting up things for later on in the season. Because I texted my buddy Dan during this game, and I said – MVS is not the right player for that jet sweep. But I think you keep teams honest for the future, like teams that are scouting the Packers and watch film are going to see that MVS is also involved in that jet sweep. He shouldn't be because MVS is a straight line runner. He can't make a cut like Darius Shepard or like Tyler Irvin who can cut and go 90. He's, he has to round that out. MVS, if you're going to give him a ball like that, has to be on like an end around where he can go deeper behind the line of scrimmage. Do you know what I mean? Right. But I felt like he was doing that to keep defenses honest. I mean, yeah. MVS got some yards out of it, but more importantly, I think it's, it shows that we're going to jet sweep everybody. We're not just going to do it with Irvin. You know, we're gonna, not going to just do it with Shepard or, or Adams or whatever. We're going to do it with everybody. Well, let's get into the bad on the offensive side. And the first thing I have listed is is Dylan. He just looked – the thing with Dylan is coming out of college and stuff is he was this explosive guy who does not shy away from contact, who bulls over people, who's going to just like throw people off of him and, and all these things, right? And I didn't see one indication of that in this game. He looked tentative. He looked very apprehensive, almost like a deer caught in the headlights. Five rushes and 11 yards. He – he did not look on point whatsoever. I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe it's the rookie jitters or whatever. But, like, this was, you know, with Jones on the sideline, I really felt like this was the game. This was his op- big opportunity. Yes, Jamal Williams is going to get more of the snaps, right? He's going to be more of the featured back, right? He is the number two. But this was the opportunity for Dylan to really make a, a, a statement in this game. And he, he, I, he failed in this game. I really feel like he did. Irvin's out, too. Right. right. So it's even more of an opportunity. Right. And maybe to get into the passing game a little bit too, you know? I mean, the Packers brought up Dexter Williams, and we'll talk about him later. But 
I really think, and I, I've said this before, and I will keep keep saying it until he changes. I almost called him Corey Dillon right there. <laughs> AJ Dillon needs to take a page out of the playbook of Amon Green. Amon Green was a master at, at just balling up and lowering his shoulder. Amon Green wasn't a huge guy, but he he invited contact, and yeah. he ran at a, with a low center of gravity. I watch AJ Dillon run. He's very Derrick Henry-like where he, he stands straight up. And you can't bowl over professional football players standing straight up. I don't care how fast, how athletic, and how strong you are and how big your dang legs are. Yeah. You can't do it. Those straight-up running styles, like, I mean, Derrick Henry, and you dating ourselves here, but like an Eric Dickerson. Yeah, guys, I was thinking him too. Like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, they can get away with stuff like that, you know. But like when you're 5'11", 6 foot. And 230, 240, use it, you know, right. get low. Get low and smash dudes in the mouth. It was more for me, it was just, he just didn't look aggressive running. Right. He looked very, very just, I already said this, but very tentative. Like he wasn't sure. And, right. This is, this guy, you can see like the draft picks that have come from the Packers recently. They love athletes, right? Rashawn, Gary. Uh, Kamal Martin is a great athlete. A.J. Dillon is a great athlete. And I get that. I feel like he can be a, a good running back. I'm not saying that. I'm just – I agree with you. He looked tentative. He didn't, like, you just smash into holes or anything. He just kind of, for better, lack of a better term, pussyfooted around and kind of, you yeah. know, and by the time he got going, there were guys on his legs and he couldn't do anything. I also wonder – like, does, is he one of those guys that needs to take another step or two back in the eye, you know, or wherever he is? Because the Packers don't run the eye, right? Yeah. So is he one of those guys that's more effective or he gets momentum going before the line comes? Because he's not super nifty. He's going to run straight ahead. So he, either the hole is there. I, I don't know. He didn't look good. That's no. the whole point. And then the other, the other bullet point I have is, you know, we, we touched on MVS a little bit. It looked again like he, he's off again, right? He's back to his old ways of being inconsistent. He's unreliable, and he's, you know, he had a really bad drop in that game. He had zero catches on four targets. And you could just see that I think it was the first target of the game where Rodgers put that ball in a spot, and he was, he was thinking something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So th those two, I'm not putting all the blame on MVS, but I kind of am because – I mean, I I put more trust in Aaron Rodgers um, about how the play is supposed to be run. It, it just seems like those two just can't get on the same page, no matter what they do. I mean, there's flashes of that's all there is with MVS, right? There's just flashes of wow, look at that, and then there's dead silence. He goes back to his old ways, and there's another kind of uptick of greatness, but it's the consistency just is not there. Well, and right now he's our two, right? And that's yep. what really is the problem. If he's your four, five, six receiver and he comes in and catches a long ball and, you know, does what MVS does, which is run straight and yeah. catches something, does something big, you don't care. You don't have anybody else. Darius Shepard is a nice player, right? Malik uh, Taylor, who caught a touchdown, you know, that's a great story. But – they don't have anything else. That's the problem. Yeah. We've talked about it a million times. And the Packers are not throwing the ball 
and being successful throwing the ball because they have talent at wide receiver. They're doing it because they have Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur running this offense. That's why they're being successful throwing the ball. Yeah. If you're not going to be successful throwing the ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, you're just not. Yeah. I mean, it, at Packers Twitter sometimes, you know, it's hard to, hard to argue with success. It's like, oh, we don't need a wide receiver. Yes, we fucking do. Yeah. We need a receiver, and we need one badly. I can't wait for Lazard to come back. I hope – I saw that he's working out. You know what I mean? Like he's looking yeah. good running, running in practice. So hopefully that's not a really, really long-term thing because they need him badly. I mean, they have to be balanced because they don't have anything else other than Devontae Adams when it comes to catching a football. And I, I'd have to think that this next half of the season, unless we see more consistency – and for MVS to actually produce, I think he's out after this season. I don't see why you would hang on to this player anymore. Both him and St. Brown. I, oh, I, I don't know why you hold Of course, they're a package one. deal. Yes. Because he's even less productive. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, I don't, did he have a target in this game? He didn't have a catch. He's either hurt. I don't even think he was targeted. Anyway. Why would you target him? He can't catch. And then the other bad thing I saw, this was probably like the thing that really like almost got me off the couch was Dexter Williams missing that block on the blocked punt. I mean, oh. for just I, I'm, I'm on being completely honest here. He should be fucking cut from that. Just from I mean, that you, play alone. From that play alone. He should be cut. You, I mean, if you're a player, and, and I said this, you know, when we were doing our, our roster reviews, I had him being cut. He ended up on the practice squad. Okay, I get it. Like, we need depth at running back, whatever, right? And you're sitting there on the practice squad, and it's week seven, and, you, and your number gets called. I don't care what they ask you to do, and you're getting on the, that football field. I got to do – if I'm – if. You know, I'm in the second line of, of blocking on a punt, and I got a dude coming straight at me, straight at me. I am knocking that dude's helmet off, and I'm going to show people that I belong on this football field. That was one of the worst efforts that and, – and he, he caused that entire blocked punt himself. He hit that guy in the back. He hit the yeah, guy that he, he was, did not block. That was just he hit him in the back. Worst. I mean, you couldn't have missed that. You're, all he had to do – was step in front of that guy and deliver a hit. Yep. Right? And he couldn't get it done. And if he saw, I believe it was on the ne very next punt, he was off. Right. They, they had him on the sideline. So I don't know if that's an indication of what his future is, but, man, they, they need to cut that dude. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm with you 100%. And I had Williams making the roster. So right. I had confidence in him, and I have zero confidence in him now. He can that's go. Poor. He can go because you are making a run to the Super Bowl – you have guys on. You have sixteen guys on the practice squad. We will replace you with somebody. You can't block one time on a punt, just like you said. Like, forget it, man. You're out. The message has to be: you do your job, or we will find someone to do your job for you. Because we've got guys. To There's a ton of guys. Yes, that could that could be in that spot. So I think it's the only time he was on probably some kick coverages or something, but or kick returns, but come on, dude. He can go right now. They, yeah. they, they can leave him off the practice squad. Cut him. I would not, I would not be surprised go. if he's gone. So, I hope anyway, they do. Let's get into the defense. And, you know, this is probably one of the first weeks of the season where I've got quite a few bullet points. I'm going to actually kind of link a couple of them together. 
just because we're talking about uh, multiple guys. But first off, first thing I thought was coming off of last week, I think I was I was all over Petten and how he needs to change things up and needs to allow his players to make plays and get them put them into positions to do so. And I think he did that in this game. He didn't do it right off the bat, right out the gate. He kind of let the game warm up a little bit before he started to kind of test it out a little bit. But he did. He did, we did see some blitz packages, and he did some something weird how he was like stacking that one side. I don't know if you saw that or not, where he had both the Smiths on one side or something. Yeah. Yes, he that did. Was, that was odd. And I they've mean, done but, that. They did that last year. Not, I don't want to say quite a bit, but they did it often enough where I remember it. Yeah. You know, well, so yeah. Him for Make it know, happen. Changing things up. So I, I feel like Petten had a much better game plan going into this game. Yes, it's the Texans, so it's probably pretty easy to look good but he definitely had some different schemes going on in this game so i was happy to see that the defensive line i thought could completely control the line of scrimmage uh, i don't know what david johnson had but it wasn't much i think it was maybe 40 yards yeah he had 14 carries for 40 yards i think that if yeah. i do my math right that's only a three yard average yeah and you could see them with lots of penetration it was probably the best game for the defensive line of the season we go back to this all the time but not having Lancaster in there the line looks different they they are performing differently Montrevious Adams had a couple of those Montrevious Adams game moments right right he comes in and he has those right. those those plays man I, and I think he, he's a good looking player man Kiki is very athletic, and I don't know. I, I thought they they played well. I was also impressed with Pettens just changing things up, right? Yeah. I, I think that's it. And let's go back to what we talked about with Peter to preview this game. Deshaun Watson had like eighteen hundred yards passing before this, yeah. so it's not like the the Texans are not a talented football team. They've got players. It's not like you're playing the I don't know the Dolphins or the Jaguars or the Jets or something or the Giants like th- this is a football team while their record is garbage you talked about it last week they have played like a who's who of playoff teams they've yeah. already played the Chiefs and the Titans who were in the AFC championship game last year and the Packers who were the NFC championship game so they played three games against the top four in the entire NFL so it's not like they're a bad football team so I thought that Pettin did a nice job of changing things up. Right. Well, Let's if, bring if, corners. If there were ever a game to, to like experiment around, right? He, he kind of waited till the second half to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas like, okay, the game's kind of, we're putting this game away a little bit. Let's take some, let's exp- let's, some of the things I have drawn up that I want to kind of play around with. Yeah, let's, let's try it. Let's get it out there. Right. Because this game was never really in doubt after a no. while, right? Like and you no. never felt threatened that the, the Texans are going to all of a sudden be able to come back and, right. and light the Packers up. I thought uh, Preston Smith, I mean, we've been harping on him all year. I thought he had probably the best game of the year for, for him. I thought he was, you know, you saw him around. I don't know what he had for tackles. Yeah. He, he did end up with a, a key, uh, what did he have, a sack? No, he had that fourth down play where they ran oh, yeah, fourth was. down. Yeah, 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 that's right. Not an outstanding game, but he had a, probably his best game of the year. But he has, hopefully that's a sign of more things that come from him. I'm not going to beat down on him because, right, he, that fourth down play was a big play. It was. And maybe that will be the spark. He only had three tackles in this game, so he wasn't phenomenal. I, I mean, yeah. he wasn't like tackles for loss or quarterback hits or anything like that. But, right, maybe the fourth down play is him remembering that he's a player because yeah. we need him down the stretch to be a, 
we need him to be Preston Smith from last year, and he just mm-hmm. hasn't been. So, yeah, he had a pretty nice game. Too. Raven Green, solid game all around, eight tackles. I mean, it seemed like they were calling his number, you know, every other defensive play. I mean, he was really just a solid tackler. He was in on almost all the plays. Um, but he had a great I – th- I thought he had a, a really solid game. Maybe not great, but I would give him a solid game. Um, Barnes, you know, before he left, and it, I wonder when he left. It, I believe it was the second quarter, right? Late in the second? I almost say this every week about Barnes. That guy makes the most of his snaps. Yeah. He was only in on well, – he, he started this game, right? I mean, right. He starter. He only played 27 snaps. He had eight tackles and 27 snaps. That guy and is a, around the a, football. And a sack. Right. I mean, he was on his way to 15 tackles and maybe multiple sacks in this game. As an undrafted free agent, he was a huge signing by the Packers. Huge. So hopefully, hopefully he gets uh, his injuries taken care of when we see him back. And then I don't know at what point. I mean, Kamal Martin seemed to – I guess when Barnes went down, we saw a lot more of Kamal Martin come in. Um, and he ended up with six tackles and was laying some hat around. So That guy likes to smash into people. We don't have that guy on the roster, but he plays violently. The Packers don't really have that guy. Mike Daniels played violently. Clay Matthews played violently. Yeah. Maybe Kamal Martin is that guy for the Packers because you've got to have that guy who's just kind of a dick right? Who's going to punch you in the mouth on every play just because he likes it. You know what I mean? You need those kind of aggressive guys. Martin made plays that we wanted Kirksey to make that, yeah. that I'm going to find the hole and I'm going to explode into that hole and I'm going to, I'm going to blow guys up. And yeah. that's what he did in this game. He blew guys up six he, tackles. Granted, he, he didn't have a ton of snaps either. I don't remember. I, I'm looking it up right now. How many call, snaps? Calling the signals. I think that's huge too. You got Honestly. a rookie, rookie guy out there calling the huddle, man. He looked good. Amos, I think, you know, along with Preston Smith, I think Amos might have had his best game of the year, too. Six tackles and a fumble recovery. He seemed to be uh, back to form. And then I think we, you were, uh, when we were texting, you were like, who the hell is number 41? Yeah. Was it 41 or 42? It was 41. 41. I didn't know who the hell it was either. And then all of a sudden it was like, what? And it's like this guy Black came out of nowhere. And man, did he deliver some a blow? And that was that was it was a game-ending uh, play. I mean, that that just completely ended the game. Yeah, that guy kind of came out of nowhere off the sideline. And, Another undrafted free agent, Henry. Black. But that like from weeks past, we've been talking about like making plays on the defense. That's what's kind of missing. There are some things happening. They're starting to put in some personnel that are are making plays. This guy Black came out of nowhere, made a play, came in and made right. a play. Get in for like ten snaps, <laughs> one of your and your like one of your first NFL snaps, and you create a fumble. Yeah, that's awesome. that other kid, that other uh, Vernon Scott. Yeah, Scott. He got Scott, in this game too. Yeah, he got in the game and, and made a play. Good to see. There were, there was a lot of good things happening on the defense. I think they played pretty well. I still don't think they have that that they could put teams away when they need to. Kind of defense. No, right. I think that's the big thing that's missing right now. They got to figure that out somehow. And that probably comes with more creating more turnovers and making big plays. So, but I think they're on the path to doing that. Um, Some of the bad things with the defense, Chandon Sullivan, he whiffed twice. And if you're Mike Patton over on the sideline drawing up this, you know, the blitz and you're just like, I got to get my players to make plays. I'm going to, I got to create situations for them. 
And I mean, and I get that Deshaun Watson is is athletic, and it's he's he's going to be hard to to tackle back there in the pocket. But man, I mean, the the second one that Sullivan missed, he just like left his feet. Right. Come on, it's Deshaun Watson back there. You need to, you know, if you're coming in full speed, you need to chop your steps as you get closer so that you can react to because you know he's going to pop out of there. Right. It's not Tom Brady. It's Deshaun Watson. Yeah, exactly right. Your technique has to change with a quarterback like that. I mean, there are quarterbacks in the league, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady. There are guys in the league who are they're pretty statue-like back there. Yeah. But this is not that guy, right? And you right. have to be able to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, those quarterbacks, you know, Roethlisberger or whoever that is back there. I mean, Sullivan makes that play. Right. Come on, dude. Not this play. He, he, he whiffed twice. Yeah, bad. it was embarrassingly bad. He does um, seem to do that. He kind of – I don't want to say he guesses, but, like, he, he thinks he's – I don't know. I think he guesses sometimes. On the other note of things that didn't go well, I, I thought Summers was terrible in this game. I really yeah. did. I mean, he only had three tackles, two of which were assisted. And I, how many how many snaps did he play? Quite a few, because I mean, Barnes went down, and Summers came in immediately as, as his replacement. He only played eighteen snaps in this game, and well, he was I th- awful I think, on I all think he, eighteen. <laughs> well, I think what happened was Barnes got pulled, Summers came in, and he was playing so fucking bad. Right, they pulled him they, back out. They pulled him back out and had to put in Martin. I mean, right. there was two two of those touchdowns. I think it was the second one. One was a coverage thing where he was like, he was pointing at the, the defensive back to move up, and there was a guy behind him. And it's like, dude, that's your. I, I don't know if there was a miscommunication there, but the guy behind you, Ty, yeah, that that's your guy. The guy who just caught the ball in the, <laughs> the end zone. The one that just ran, right, just ran by you. Did you and miss him when he ran by you? Did you not see him? He, but he looked completely confused. Like he was like pointing. I, there was another player coming out in the flat or something like that. Right, and it's like no, that's that's not your guy, bud. That, that's not it. And then the 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 second touchdown, he was that was like right at the goal line. He was fucking standing right there. Yeah, and I don't care if that's your guy or not. It's that the goal ball line. Is like within an arm's distance of you. Just turn your head, dude. Know where yeah. the ball is, and make a play on that. And he does not have that ability. He nope. is a liability out there, in in my opinion. I, I don't like like when he goes out there. Blood pressure goes up. I mean, he is yeah. looking more and more like a special teams guy. Yep. Run down and hit this guy. Go on yep. punt coverage. Go on kickoff coverage. You can come in when we're up by 35. Like, I think he has value on special teams, but right. He just doesn't get it. For whatever yeah. reason, he doesn't. I mean, I don't know if at TCU he just was – they were like, okay, you stand in the middle and you hit football. Like, I don't know if that's what his, his – his job was just go tackle guys and don't worry about anything else. I don't want to call him like stupid or anything, but maybe he's just not smart enough to play linebacker in the NFL. He well, doesn't that's the, that's the thing is, you know, with, with linebackers too, is today's NFL, you have to be good in pass coverage. Mm-hmm. You can't just be a downhill. I mean, you no, have you to can't. have, you have to be multidimensional. He just, he doesn't have that. No, he I just doesn't really, react well. I was well. really disappointed with his performance in this game. And then you had this bullet on here about Raven Green. Yeah. Even though we just talked to you, he was, <laughs> had a good game. <laughs> he did have a good game. I, I like Raven Green. I just don't know. He is a strong safety near the line of scrimmage, blowing up run plays. He's not great in coverage. 
I mean, Gronkowski beat him up, and Gronkowski is not the most athletic dude anymore. I thought he looked a little bit lost in coverage at times. Yeah. And maybe that he's getting more and more reps. Maybe it's just maybe. Well, he got reps in this game because Savage was out, right? So then, you know, you've got Redmond and and Green and Amos, and they're all kind of, I would say they're all strong safeties. Yeah. They're not free safeties. I'm not going to beat up on Raven Green. I, I really like Raven Green, the player. I really want him to stick around, and I think he has got value. But I also think he can be exposed in the passing game, too. That's for Petten to figure out. Put him in the right places so he can make plays. Rashawn Gary was just nowhere to be found in this game. He didn't make the stat line. No tackles, nothing. And uh, I think you said, what was his total for Total snaps? He was in 65% of the snaps. So it's not like he didn't play. He had 44 snaps in this game. Nothing on the stat line. And I don't know if he's beat up or if his ankle is still garbage, but... But, uh, you know, he seems to be kind of made of glass a little bit. And I'm sorry, but I, I'm starting to question his toughness a little bit. He kind of plays – he reminds me of Perry. Big, super athletic guy who – Perry was the same way. I used to always say, like, you know, they, they could always reuse Perry's uh, uniform from week to week because <laughs> they don't have to take it to the laundry at all. Because he never, he was never on the ground. He was shy away from contact. He was not an aggressive player. Rashawn mm. kind of does as he's pass rushing, but he's just not that like I'm going to stick my head in there kind of player. I, I'm not seeing that, at least not yet. So I'm I'm worried about his his toughness. Yeah, Nick Perry had the one year right. He parlayed one, one great yeah, one contract year, year into did. millions of dollars. Yep, he did nothing yeah, after that. I think Rashawn Gary has more physical tools than Nick Perry and has more pass rush moves than Nick Perry, but he's got the same production. Yeah. I really thought he was breaking out, right? Those first couple of games, the Smiths were not there, basically, and Rashawn Gary was the pass rush. Yeah. And I, I hope it's because he's hurt. Because, yeah, he, didn't, he did nothing. He didn't he did even fall on a guy and get an assist. It just makes me eating my words. This is just another week that I I will not be eating my words. I said 10 sacks, and I'll eat them. Oh, no, I'm so looking 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 forward to that if that happens. Damn it. No, it's looking much better for me. It is, because he's going to have to go on a huge roll or just beat up on some third-string tackle in one game. So let's pause for 30 seconds for this BallotReady.org ad. Remember, go vote. So thanks for listening to that ad if you did. I voted already. So early voting is open in Wisconsin. It opened on October 20th. If you are voting in Ohio, I'm, they opened up earlier. And I don't know what it is in Virginia, brother. Did you ever get your look. license? I did. I'm, I'm all squared away. I'm, okay. I'm registered. I'm good. Excellent. I was really surprised how long the line was. I voted on a Saturday afternoon. I was like, oh, I'm here. I just went to the library. It's all yeah. electronic now. And yeah. you, like, at least in Milwaukee, you're able to vote any precinct at a library location. Like they just tell you, you're, you have to tell them. Electronic this. scares me. As far as so you have to, because of COVID, you have to use like a pencil. Like they give you a pencil yeah, and you use the eraser thing. to touch it. I was really is it, surprised. Is everyone using the same pencil? <laughs> no, they have like a clean pencil and a dirty pencil bucket. Jesus. So when you're done, you have to put your pencil back. And I don't know if they like spray them down with like microban or something to clean them off, but. Nope. Everybody gets their own pencil. And I was really surprised. I voted for myself. So if I win for circuit court clerk or whatever I voted for myself for, 
I don't really know what that job is, but I would do my best. But there were so many people running unopposed in Milwaukee. Like almost oh. the entire ballot was Democrats running against nobody. In almost probably 80% of the positions that I voted for. But anyway, mm-hmm. go vote. Uh, I guess to wrap up uh, this game, any other observations? The, the one I had was, and I think if, if anybody was watching this game, is just looking at J.J. Watt, how disgruntled and pissed off he was. Whether it's he's just upset of being uh, how his team is performing or guys just aren't, guys are and, and not playing up to their ability. I don't know, but he looked as if he was ready to just kill somebody. You know what I mean? I mean, he looked pissed. Even when he made that play, his players were coming around him, jumping all over him and stuff. And he, he, it was just like, get the fuck off me. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say a, that. I was just going to say that. he was pacing on the sideline. He was pacing. Yeah. Like, he, he was on the sideline going back and forth like, you know, like a caged animal. Yes. You know? And it's like he is – there's something going on with him and that organization that isn't sitting right. And, it, you know, I read – I think it was last week. There was an article. I can't remember who put this out. But it was just basically like, uh, you know, where do the Packers – because the trade deadline is coming up, right? What are some of the options that are maybe available to the Packers? And somebody wrote about – you know, it, it was just more of like, wouldn't it be great to get J.J. Uh, Watt? What would, what would that take? And, of course, it's – it's more or less like, well, the Packers don't really have anything to give for that. But wouldn't that be something? Bring J.J. Watt back home. He's a born and bred Wisconsinite, a Packers fan. I mean, that would be something else. And a happy J.J. Watt would be a productive J.J. Watt. Right now, he's in a bad place. He's in a bad place as a player. He's in a bad place on a team, on a bad team. It's just all bad for him. And I, I almost feel bad for the guy. But, man, was he just – but I was thinking to myself, well, good. Maybe he – maybe there is a chance, you know. It's real unfortunate that Bill O'Brien is not the coach slash GM of the Texans, Texans anymore because the Packers probably could have got J.J. Watt for like a clean right. pair of socks. Right. And a roll of quarters because there's not a lot of change in the world. But I, have you seen the picture of J.J. Watt's press conference? No. Google that or something now that you're not on the Twitters. It's all over Twitter. And he was yeah. wearing a white T-shirt in it. So people have put, like, trade me to Green oh, Bay yeah. and stuff yeah. on it. Like, they've, they've Photoshopped it who on knows? there. Who knows? I mean, who knows? I don't know what they'd have to give up in order to grab him. But, my God. I mean, that would be, yeah. that would be amazing. So a couple of things about that. One, he's very expensive. Now, he did ask the Texans not to try and extend him. So he wants out of Houston for sure. Would I like him in Green Bay? Yes. I very much would like him in Green Bay. J.J. Watt, like you said, Wisconsin guy, born here, lived here, went to college here, loved to see him back in a Packer uniform. He would have to – they would have to extend him. And I'm not a – we should have Ken Ingles on, the salary cap guy from Twitter, because I'm clearly not smart enough to figure this out. His salary for the rest of the year – he makes $15.5 million this year, so it's basically $1 million per game. Next year is, is $17.5 million. Again, $1 million per game. But, I mean, $17.5 million next year is what they would have to pay him. That really means that you're either giving up Bakhtiari, you're giving up Jones, you're giving, you're giving up somebody to get J.J. Watt. They would have to, he would have to t- give them the hometown discount. I really yeah. think they w- he would. <laughs> That'd be nice. I'll take him. 
I mean, really, it, if I want a Watt, I want TJ Watt, but TJ Watt is about to get paid stupid money. Yeah. He's going to make 20, sure. 25 million next year. He might be one of the higher paid players in all football. My other thing I had from this game was, you know, that hit on Jamal Williams early on where his helmet came flying off. That dude, Reed, should have been ejected for that. Yep. I, I was waiting for it. I don't, and the announcers weren't even talking about it as being an option. I mean, why did, the did he get a penalty? Did, he didn't get a penalty on that play, it, did he? It, there was, uh, there was a, a penalty. Oh, there and was. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be penalty eject player ejection. Because I don't, I don't see where in the rules that didn't qualify. I mean, that right, was a right. straight-out headshot, head-to-head shot. It wasn't like he was going in trying to get the shoulder. And, you know, s- sometimes those plays just happen. Right. Because guys are moving so fast. And, it, it, you know, once you send your body in motion, you don't have that much control over it. But that was helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. It, it was a cheap shot. And his fucking helmet flew off. Like, yeah, it's I mean, not how- like it wasn't evident. I was just waiting for him to, him to start walking towards the tunnel. And they, nobody brought that up. Not even the, and the announcer team for that was just horrible. But, right. Jonathan um, Vilma is fucking terrible. Holy cow, are they God. bad. Um, Bobby Turner. Called him Bobby Turner. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, Billy? He also called, he called him Aaron he Jones. A, he called Jamal Williams Aaron Jones on one play, I think, too. And he was saying, yeah, he was all over the place. But anyways, I, I thought Reed should have been ejected from this game. I don't know if the league will – I'm sure they will review. I don't know if he gets fined on top of it, but I, I really felt like that should have been an easy ejection. He'll get fined for sure, right? He has to. If, and if in, not, that's a problem. And in Jamal Williams' st- style, you know, he just jumped up and loved it. Yeah, he was all he was jacked having a great up after time. that. He was having a great time. Like, Love do it again. Kid. Anyway, on to next week. Why don't you, why don't you take that? So Peter's going to come on, and because we didn't have time, he's going to record something on the Packer Viking history, and we will put it here. Thanks, guys. On Sunday, the Packers host the Vikings in the 122nd installment of a fierce rivalry that goes back 60 years or 59 years to 1961, and the teams have met twice a season, every season in the regular season since 61, with the one exception of 1982, where a game was lost to the strike. And the series has been really close until recently. The Packers now holding the series lead 63-54-3, which is a 538 winning percentage for Green Bay. And the nine-game lead that the Packers now hold in the series is the biggest lead that any team has, has ever held. Back in the 70s, the Vikings, that great Vikings team of the 70s that featured Fran Tarkenton and Chuck Foreman, Alan Page, Jim Marshall. The Vikings did have an eight-game lead in the series, but the Packers have now surpassed that. The Packers hold the edge in games at Lambeau Field with a 24-19-3 record, and the Packers are 33-25-3 in all home games against the Vikings, which is a 566 winning percentage. And there have been 15 games played in Milwaukee. So a bit of the history of how the decades have gone you'd expect Packers to be on top in the 60s and they were the Vikings then went ahead with those great teams of the 70s perhaps surprisingly with the Packers having some downtime in the 80s the Packers actually were ahead in the series in the 80s with 14 and 5 of the 19 games the two teams played Vikings slightly ahead in the 1990s and that's a period where both teams were particularly strong, particularly from the middle of the 1990s onwards. Packers are 26-15-2 since, since 2000 in, 
in the series and that's kind of how the Packers have moved ahead because prior to the 2000s the Packers were one game ahead 49 48 and 1 so it's really been in the last 20 years or so that the Packers have come to the fore kind of the latter years of the Brett Favre era and then and then the Aaron Rodgers era Packers have moved well ahead in the series so there's been a number of great games obviously in a series that that, that goes back the best part of 60 years I think for Packers fans we all remember the Monday night game in, in 2000. Teams tied at 20, heading into overtime. Um, in overtime, Favre lobs that ball down the right sideline towards Antonio Freeman. And the Vikings defensive back, Chris Dishman, deflects the ball, knocks it down, starts celebrating that he's caused an incomplete pass. And of course, as we all know, the ball hits Antonio Freeman around the shoulder area as he's lying on the ground, grabs it, gets up, skirts past a couple of Vikings defenders into the end zone. And I think as that play was unfolding, we thought he'd scored, but we couldn't be 100% certain that ball hadn't touched the ground. And then we saw the replays and it clearly hadn't. And just a, a fantastic ending to, to that game, an unbelievable ending. And I think Al Michaels' commentary as that play was unfolding and as the play ended, Michaels famously saying, he did what? commented on Freeman's score so that's probably the game that immediately springs to mind for many Packers fans some of the other games in the series that we might remember Favre going to the Vikings in 2009 and 2010 Favre playing against Rodgers in 2009 and winning both of those games or the Vikings winning both of those games and then the Packers under Rodgers bouncing back in 2010 beating the Vikings on the way to a Packers Super Bowl victory in that in that year 1988 was a year that we don't necessarily think of in the in this series. The Packers were four and twelve, but it's a year in which the uh, the Packers beat the Vikings twice. And Timmy Harris, who's a personal favourite of mine, was dominant in both of those games. Made multiple plays, had four sacks, two safeties, blocked a punt, returned the block punt for a touchdown. Just an incredible couple of games that Timmy Harris had playing on a Packers team that wasn't the greatest Packers team that we've ever, that we've ever seen. There's the TJ Rubley game in 1995, you know, Rubley coming off the bench as the third string quarterback, looking to lead the Packers to, to victory, audibling out of the play sent in by Mike Homer and getting intercepted and the Vikings driving down the field to, to win that game at the end of the game, 27-24. So there's been many great moments, many, many great games in that series. number of great games by the Vikings. I haven't really touched on those too much, but the Vikings have had some magnificent performances against the Packers over that period of time. I did a bit of research and found I could find 18 players that have played for both teams, both for the Packers and the Vikings. And some of the more significant names, names that we'll remember, Brett Favre, as we've mentioned, Greg Jennings, Ryan Longwell, Jan Stenerud, who, even though he was... He was um, Past his best years, I was getting on a bit when he came to the Packers. Still played a couple of years for the Vikings after he left Green Bay. I only found one player, perhaps surprisingly, who went from the Vikings to the Packers. And that's Gilbert Brown, the gravedigger himself. Spent a little bit of time with Minnesota in 1993 before being cut. Packers picked him up. And the rest, as they say, is, is history. Gilbert, part of those Super Bowl teams from the mid-90s. So that's a little bit of history. Quickly moving on to Sunday's game, Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic against the Vikings, 108.4 career passer rating with 47 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. 
Aaron Jones has got two of his nine career 100-yard rushing games against the Vikings, both of those coming in 2019. And Devontae Adams has three career 100-yard receiving games against the Vikings, including that 14-catch game at the beginning of this season, which tied the Packers' record, all-time record for receptions in a single game. And quickly talking about records, the Packers' longest ever field goal was by Mason Crosby against the Vikings in 2011. And at that point, with covering a little bit of history, I think we'll leave it at that and hand you back to Dale and Todd to continue with the preview of Sunday's game. Yeah, so we play the Vikings again. Haven't played the Bears yet, but we're going to play the Vikings for the second time at home. Not that it makes a whole lot of difference that it's at home. I want to remind people in Wisconsin, you motherfuckers, wear your mask. Did you, there were more Packer fans in the stadium yesterday in Houston than we will have because if there's one fan in the stands in Houston, there will be zero Packer fans at home the entire season because we can't wear a mask because we're all immune to this disease. I'm sorry. I just went off on that. Let's go back. They're at home. So a noon start against the Vikings. Uh, we always pick out the keys. And I think the biggest key is we have to contain Justin Jefferson. Justin yep. Jefferson has broken out. And Jair like, Alexander like, like needs Like I said play. he would. You did say that. And, and that they should have moved up to get him. Absolutely, we should have. Don't, don't. My blood pressure gets high when we talk, start talking about the draft. Denzel Mims is back, by the way, too. Four catches for 42 yards with the abysmal Jets team. He came yep. back uh, off of IR and had four catches for 42 yards. But anyway, Jair Alexander is a shutdown corner. I- I'm done like prefacing it and saying he might be. He has shut everybody down that he has played against. Whether they're injured or healthy, I don't care anymore. If you bring your C game, too bad on you. That's your problem. That's not Jair Alexander's problem. Right. He needs to start following the best receiver around the field. I don't care who they are or what side they, they end up on, in the slot, wherever it might be. Jair Alexander will shut you down, and he needs to shut Justin Jefferson down in, in this game. And then they can collectively worry about Adam Thielen. And hopefully King, King should be back for this game. Yeah. To be fair, Josh Jackson played okay. Yeah. He played pretty well. The one thing that Josh Jackson will do is he will stick his hat in there on a running play. Like, for he sure. is not afraid of contact. Where King is – more of a cover guy, and, and King will throw his body around too, even though he's made out of glass and it's dangerous for him to do so. Jackson throws his head in there, and he makes tackles. Uh, he's not the best corner on the team, and like Peter said last week, if you're, he's your number four corner, you're really doing things. Uh, the second key is I'm not sure the Vikings, I think they've given up. Yeah, they're one and five. Maybe. Yeah. So someone on Twitter, it's a Vikings like Twitter guy, was doing like a – pretend play-by-play with the Vikings versus the bye. <laughs> oh, wow. And the Vikings lost 30-26 to 26 to the bye. It was really kind of funny. <laughs> I just think they're giving up. I mean, they just traded away. So they had Ngakwe for, what, five, six games? Five? Yeah. 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 They gave up a second-round pick for this guy. And then, then he traded him. He had five sacks. Him. He did. He had five sacks. And f- I mean, he didn't have any in the game against the Packers. So he had five. He had a sack per game. Yeah. Average. And then they unloaded him for worse picks than they traded to get him. <laughs> like they gave up yeah. a second round pick to get him. And then they got a third and a conditional fifth to get rid of him. What? what? I don't know. That, that, it, that screams giving up. 
I wonder, I wonder how much influence Zimmer has in, in those deals, but he just doesn't see, he doesn't project to be the type of person that really has control of his team. But I wonder if they've given up. So Dalvin Cook has a groin injury too, and he, you know, he didn't play. Uh, Madison played last time. The chance to win, Alexander Madison was in the game, not Dalvin right. Cook, when they had that goal line run that Cook would have scored for sure on. I just don't know. Like, I don't know what they're doing there. I'm not sure if they're just giving up. You know, they're stuck with – they extended everybody, right? They extended Cousins, and he yeah. – they're stuck with him. Yeah. I mean, it, good. Yeah, his contract is two years, and they can't cut him without a huge cap hit. It would paralyze their team. They wouldn't be able to even sign draft picks yeah. if they decided with the dead cap. I mean, it would be stupid. So they can't cut him. He's around. Zimmer has a big contract. I mean, you can fire the coach. It's, I mean, at the end of the day. but Yeah, yeah. Daniel Hunter is gone for the season. Yeah, so and I wonder if they just didn't just shut him down. They got injuries. They got all kinds of problems. Yeah. Which I love to see. And the not, 30, not the injuries. I, well, no, you don't I, want I don't like seeing hurt. people. No. We are happy. We hope that they come back the week after they play the Packers and they're 100% healthy. <laughs> pressure Cousins. That, that's yeah. a key. You know he's going to make bad mistakes when he's pressured. Disrupt him. Don't let him get into any type of rhythm. And you know that he's going to – I'm going to say – I said it the first game that he'd throw at least two picks. I'm going to say it again. And he got one. He threw one. I'm going to say it again this week. I'm going to predict at least two. Two plus. Because I think two we're going to get to him. We're going to okay. get to him. Get hit, throw his rhythm off. I think Jair, he's not going to have anywhere to really throw to because Jair is going to shut everything down. Let's hope so. I mean, yeah, that's the key, right? If you, if you pressure him, he, he flusters. And he's, he does. He just, he's, he's a rhythm not the same quarterback. Guy. Absolutely. When, when, he, when he's in rhythm, he's, he's good. But he's inconsistent. You rattle his cage a little bit, and you get him off. I think. I think we have the. I think we're poised to do that in this game. So I hope we do because I like games where I don't feel all stressed. It's nice when Packers yeah. are kind of running away with things and it's all calm. Yeah, Makes I can use a few of week. those. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. that's it. What else? That's all we got for this week. Looking ahead to another win, getting home to Lambeau, and getting ready for deer hunting too. All right on six and one after next week, baby. Sounds good. All right, man. Go pack, go. Go pack, go.